Well, it's great to see everybody this morning. Take out your Bibles, if you would. You can turn to Proverbs chapter 2. We're actually going to be in multiple chapters in Proverbs today. Proverbs chapters 2, 3, 4, 6, 7, and 8. We're not going to try to read them all, (laughs) but we will try to read parts of all of them today. And you heard Joe just a minute ago say that the question that we're going to ask and answer today is that question, is it in you? Is it in you? And so to kind of illustrate that, instead of a traditional pulpit or a table today, I thought I'd ask him to bring a keyboard out. And I'm, I did that for a reason. And I just, I want to show you some things. But before I show you these things, I need to just kind of lay some foundation for that. And, and I just want to, I, I think that I hear music differently than most of the people in the room today. I think the way I hear music is different from the way that you hear music. Now, there may be some people in the room who hear music the way that I hear it, but, but I grew up with music in my life. And so I've been listening to music and really listening and playing music my whole life. And when I was about nine years old, my mom came to me and she said, Chad, I think you ought to take piano lessons great. I mean, what do you say when you're a nine-year-old boy? Piano, yay! You know, I I think you ought to take piano lessons. And so one of the very first things that I learned when I started taking piano lessons is to get ready to be impressed. Can we turn it up just a little bit? Is that all right? That's a scale. Are you impressed? You should clap for that. That's impressive right there. That's good. I hated it. (laughs) Because every teacher I ever had, they wanted me to practice these scales. They wanted me to go slow. They wanted me to go fast. They wanted me to play arpeggios. They wanted me to learn new keys. Again, very impressive. I know, I know, it's exciting, right? Um, And here's what I learned really quickly. Scales are boring. (laughs) They're just very boring. And I learned that I really don't like to practice that much. I don't, I hate to practice but I love to play. Are you like that in any area of your life? I don't particularly like to fish, but I do like to catch. (laughs) Um, When it comes to basketball, I love to win. I hate to run. (laughs) And so there's just some things about me that are true that I don't know if they're true for you or not, but, but one of the things I figured out is the more I played these scales, the more I listened to music, the more I tried to, to get the music in me as I would practice or as I would just kind of play the things that I wanted to play, I would start to hear things. And so, like I said, I've been doing, doing this since I was really young, and I've been playing for a really long time. been playing piano since I was nine. And when I got older, I stopped playing piano for a little while, and I started playing alto saxophone. And that was kind of cool because I got to march in the high school band. And then at Westmore High School, we had a jazz band. Jazz band is awesome um, because you get to improvise. And so I started learning from my teacher how to just sort of make things up as you go. And then he taught me a whole new scale. He taught me a blues scale that sounds like this. Isn't that a cool sounding scale? The cool thing about a a blues scale or a jazz scale like that is you can make that scale sound like this. And all of a sudden it sounds like you know what you're doing when all you really did is just played another just played another scale is all you did. See, the truth of the matter is that the more I learned, the more the music got in me and the more I started to hear things, not, not the voices that are typically in my head. I started to hear things in other songs and in, and, in other, and in other music. And so it actually turned me into a better musician than I really am because I would hear a song and I wouldn't just hear the song, I'd hear the pattern in the song. So for instance, there's a There's a song that we sing here called Blessed Be Your Name. You guys know it if you want to sing along with me. I'm just going to sing a section out of it. It's uh, Blessed be the name of the 
Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Okay, you know that song. You've heard that before. So a few years ago, I'm at the movies with my kids. And while I'm sitting in the movie, they start singing this song. And as soon as they sing the song, I know how to play it. It's not because I'm exceptionally talented. It's not because of any other reason than I know blessed be your name. And as I heard that song, I heard the same pattern. So instead of blessed be the name of the Lord, instead of that, what I heard was let it go, let it go. Don't want to hear this song anymore. Let it go, let it go. Turn away and slam the door. You know, you've, so... Yeah, I don't know if you feel this. I might have altered the words just a little bit. I'm not positive. There's another song that when I hear music, I hear it like a lot of you, but I think I might hear more. I think I might hear, and maybe not than everybody, but than some of you. There's another song we used to do this in, in, in our worship times together. It's called Trading My Sorrows. It goes like this. Well, I'm trading my sorrows trading my shame and I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. And then on the course, it's really easy. It's yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. See, you know that song. But see, when I hear that song, I can't just hear that song anymore. Because the other day I was at a primetimer's luncheon. And while I was at the primetimer's luncheon, uh, Jim Coley walked up to Sandra Coley, and he walked over to the sound system, and he pressed, pressed play on a CD player, and I heard a song I'd never heard before, and it sounded like this. It sounded, and he just looks at her. He gives her these eyes, and he kind of does this thing to her. And it was, he goes, don't you dare look back. Just keep your eyes on me. I said, you're holding back. She said, shut up and dance with me. This woman is my destiny. And, well, then she said, Shut up and dance with me. So now when I hear trading my sorrows, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Shut up and dance with me. I hear that. I hear that in my head while you're seeing that song. And so I showed you all of that to just kind of to show you that because I've spent my life with music, there's something in me that hears music a little bit differently than maybe everybody else. And, you know, the Olympics have just started. And so you watch these people do these amazing things. They run faster. They jump higher. They flip more. <laughs> they do all these things, and it's just so crazy and so amazing to just kind of see what's in them. And maybe you can relate to that. Maybe there's something about you. Maybe it's a skill that you have or an experience that you have that's just in you that, that when it comes time for you to do this, you see the world a little differently. You hear things a little bit differently. Actually, there's some moments when decision times come, and, and it's almost like you make those decisions effortlessly. Right now, I have played so many scales and spent so much time at a keyboard that I don't have to think that much about what to do in order for my fingers to just go where they want to go. And uh, so I can talk and I can sing and I can do all these things and I don't have to think about it because it's just sort of programmed into my fingers. They just fall in the right spot most of the time. Sometimes my fingers break and it sounds really nasty, but, but maybe, that's, maybe that's you. Maybe you have something in your life that just almost effortlessly, it just comes out of you. Maybe at work, you're the computer guy or the computer girl and, and everybody calls you with their computer problems and you walk into the room and as soon as you walk in the room, you don't even touch the keyboard, you don't even look at the computer, but the computer just knows you're there and it just smiles a little bit more and now the computer just works for you 
Maybe, maybe that's you. Or maybe, maybe it has to do with your relationships with people and just the, the way you hear about relationships with others. You've just been through so many interesting experiences and circumstances that when you hear someone complaining about their boyfriend, you instantly understand, well, I know what the source, I know what the root of this problem is. And now you have this wise advice for them. And it's because you've just had so much experience, so much background, so much learning. You're just so familiar with these things that what's in you is what comes out. You see, that's what happens with our split-second reactions. Every time you make a split-second decision, every time there's a knee-jerk reaction, see, with music, there's not enough time if you mess up to go back and correct it, and if you get it right, there's not enough time to go back and pat yourself on the back and say, ooh, wasn't that good, let's do that again. You don't have time to do that. In sports, it's exactly the same way. Maybe you're just one of those guys that when somebody throws you a ball instinctively, intuitively, you just know what to do with it. And if you make a mistake, there's not really time to go back and correct it. And if you're successful, there's not time to go back and say, hey, wasn't I awesome? There's not time to do that. It's just in you, and it just comes out. Those split-second reactions, those knee-jerk reactions, because it's in you, that's what comes out. Now, there's a negative side to that, too. And the negative side is that when we're squeezed, when we're under pressure, what's in you is, is what will come out. And you can, you can see that. It's easy to see that. When you squeeze a lemon, what comes out? Lemon juice. When you squeeze an orange, what comes out? Orange. So what happens when you squeeze a baby? Yeah. Sometimes the baby juice comes out, and it's nasty. Um, and so, so but when, you, when, you, when you're squeezed, when you're under pressure, what's in you is what comes out. So that question, as it relates to what we're talking about in regards to split-second reactions, is it in you? What? Is what in you? Was the Spirit of God in you? Is his word in you? Think about that for a minute. When you, when you know, well, let's just say it like this. You won't see the world clearly until you know his word intimately. He's the creator of the world. It's his. He knows everything there is to know about your life, my life, and all of history, all of science, all of everything you can imagine. And he's written, in about, he's written about those things in his word. And so truthfully, you'll never see the world clearly until you know his word intimately. You'll never see the world clearly until you know his word intimately. It's like the way I, I hear music. I hear it differently because, well, it's in me. When the Spirit of God, when the Word of God is in you, it changes the way you hear and see the circumstances and experiences you're in. Let me see if I can illustrate that with you for just a second. Imagine that you're at work, and someone comes to you, and they're, maybe they're atheist or agnostic, or, or maybe they're just, for some reason, something's happened in their life, and they just don't like the church, and they just don't like church people, and they have this thing against Christians, and they just, they come get in your face, and they're just mean and nasty, and they're hateful, and they're calling you all kinds of names. Is it in you for God to pull out of you that verse in Ephesians that says, be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even, if God, even as God, for Christ's sake, forgave you? Is that, is that in you enough that when it's needed, God can reach into you and pull it out of you? Is it in you to remember that verse that says, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world? Or maybe there's that moment when someone walks up to you and your faith is challenged, and, and your faith is challenged because they're saying, if you'll just lie about this, you'll be able to make more money on this side of things. If you'll just lie about that, you'll be more popular, you'll be more powerful, you'll, you'll be more prominent. If you'll just please me, 
If you'll just do what I say, if you'll just tell these untruths and, and follow me without question, if you'll, just, if you'll just lie, I'll give you all these things. Maybe someone comes to you and they tempt you with something like that. Is it even in you to remember that in Galatians chapter 1, says, Paul says, For do I now persuade men or do I persuade God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ." In that moment when you're tempted to look at that thing on the screen or on your, on your phone or in that moment when you're, when you're tempted to lust or you're tempted to look after someone's wife that's not yours or someone's husband's that's not yours in a lustful way, is it even in you? That verse of scripture that says, flee youthful lusts. Just run away from it. Flee youthful lusts. Is it, Proverbs chapter 5 talks all about that kind of lust and it talks about how it will burn you and it will hurt you in ways like you can't even imagine. Is it even in you for God to pull out of you so that in that moment of temptation, when the knee-jerk reaction, when the split-second reaction, when that moment comes, is it even in you for him to pull it out of you? You see, because when you face that temptation, well, there's this other verse of Scripture that says there is no temptation except such as common to man. And God, who is faithful, will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will make a way of escape. So in that moment when your faith is challenged or your faith is tested, when you're squeezed, is it in you? For God to pull it out of you, to do the righteous thing, to do the right thing, to do the godly thing, or more importantly than that, to do the, or not, not, not more importantly, but as importantly as that, to do the wise thing. You see, you'll never see the world clearly until you know the word intimately. And, and truthfully, when you know what he knows, when you know what God knows, you'll be able to choose what he would choose. When you know what God knows, you'll be able to choose what he would choose. It's one of those amazing things that Rob said last week about prayer. The way God answers our prayer is as though we're praying the way God would want us, the way we would pray if we knew what God knew. Let me say that again. The way God answers our prayers is, if, is, is, is as though we were praying the way we would pray if we knew what God knew. Well, Scripture is filled with what God knows. And when you know what God knows, you can choose what God would choose. You'll never see the world clearly till you know the word intimately. And when you know what God knows, you'll be able to choose what he would choose. So how do you get it in you? How do you get this word in you in a way that God can pull it out of you in that split-second moment when your faith is under fire, when you're being squeezed, or when you're being tested? How do you get it in you? That's where Proverbs chapter 2 comes in. So let's turn there. And because we're going to spend quite a bit of time reading different passages of Scripture this morning, because the Bible, I, I got to tell you, the Bible talks about this idea of having Scripture in you. It talks about this idea of having it in you so that God can pull it out of you. It, it, it's one of the number one topics of Proverbs and definitely a topic that's repeated over and over and over again in Scripture. And so regularly we would have you stand and after we read Scripture we would say this is the word of the Lord. I'm going to ask you to remain seated and we're just going to read this together because we're going to look at several passages kind of quickly. So let's start with Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2 says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you. Okay, so there's an if-then statement. If you do this, then this is what will happen. If you receive my words and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice to understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasure. Here's the payoff right here. Here's the then. Listen to this. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find 
the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the paths of justice and preserves the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity, and every good path. That's a pretty good payoff. Verse 5 actually says it all. Uh, verse, verse, one and, uh, verse 1, my son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, if you take this word and you hide it in your heart, then, verse 5, you will understand the fear of the Lord and you will find the knowledge of God. You will know who God is and he will be able to show you what he knows when you get to know this word and you get it in you. You will get to know, God's, get to know who God is and you will get to know what he knows as he reveals it to you through his word. That's the value of getting it in you. Look at Proverbs chapter 3. My son, verse 1. My son, do not, forget, uh, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. And listen what happens if you keep his commands. Listen what happens if you have it in you. For length of days and long life and peace, they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Turn the page, or in my Bible, I have to turn the page, uh, verse 13 in Proverbs chapter 3. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding, for her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. She's more precious than rubies, and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Length of days is in her right hand, and her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who retain her. That says something remarkable. It's talking about wisdom, but where does that wisdom come from? Well, that's where I have a verse that's in me. James chapter 1 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach. Imagine if in that moment when you're trying to make that decision, should I live here or should I live there? Should I marry him or not? Should we continue dating or not? Is it time for me to move from this community to that community? Should I pursue that project or should I let that project uh, go by the wayside? How many Sundays should I be gone for the sake of softball and baseball and for my kids? That's a legitimate question in my household. How many Sundays should my kids miss? Is it even okay? Is that all right? Well, there's scripture that can help you it can help with those kinds of very practical decisions as you're, as you're seeking wisdom to figure those kinds of things out. You're sitting at your desk trying to pay your bills, and all of a sudden you realize there's more months than there is money, and God is able to reach into you and pull out of you that verse, Philippians 4.19, and my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory, and all of a sudden the anxiety and the anxiousness and the fear that once was there is replaced with this confidence that my God will supply all all my needs. Well, how's he going to do it? I don't know. Maybe I need to work harder or maybe I need to work differently or maybe I need to manage my money differently. Maybe I need to spend less and save more. I don't know. Maybe I need to, maybe I need to figure out how to be more generous with what God's given me. I don't know. And just look to the needs around me. How can I meet the needs of others around me? And maybe God will provide through that because Luke says, blessed are those who give and, 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 and those who give, they'll receive back, pressed down, shaken together and and running over. And so maybe if that's in you, then that can inform all of the decisions. It changes the way you see the world and hear the things that happen around you. Look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 1. Hear, my children, the instruction of a father, and give attention to no understanding, for I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. 
When I was my father's son, tender, and the only one on the side of my mother, my mother, he also taught me and said to me, let your heart retain my words. Keep my commands and live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will preserve you. Love her and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. Skip down to verse 10. Hear my son and receive my sayings and the years of your life will be many. How many times has he said that? If you know what I know, you'll be able to do the things I would choose to do. And as you do them, it will change the quality of your life. But it also has the opportunity to change the quantity of your life. It doesn't necessarily mean that you will live longer, that you will have a longer life, but your life will be, but, but your life will be better lived as you do. It doesn't necessarily make your life longer. It simply makes your life better as your life goes. You get more out of your days. You're able to accomplish more possibly than the people around you because you're following this path of wisdom that God's put in you that now he's able to pull out of you. Hear my son and receive my sayings, verse 10, and the years of your life will be many. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. And when you run, you will not stumble. Skip over to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20. My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you roam, they will lead you. When you sleep, they will keep you. When you awake, they will speak with you. For the commandment is a lamp and the law is a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Proverbs chapter seven, verse one. My son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live, and my law is the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers, write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your nearest kin, that they may keep you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. That doesn't just mean the immoral woman and the seductress. That means any temptation that you struggle with. This book will help, but you have to have it in you. And as a believer in Christ, we do have the word of God in us. The Bible says that Jesus was the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so as a believer in Jesus Christ, you do have the spirit of God living in you, representing the word of God to you. But there's something powerful that happens when we know this word deeply and intimately with the ability to actually speak it and say it beyond. Well, have you ever noticed John 3.16? How many of you can just right now, you say, I've got John 3.16. I know what it says inside and out. I know how to say it. Yeah. And what I've noticed is I had a friend, um, his name was Carlos Diaz. I used to play in a band with him and uh, he's a really cool guy. And uh, the only verse of scripture he knew was John 3.16. And he would say, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only forgotten son that whoever believes in him and he just said it with such passion, I, I couldn't stand to correct him on it because uh, he, just, he just loved it. It was great. But most of the time when we quote that verse, we just, we say it so fast. God so loved the world, he gave his only God's son, whosoever lives in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's almost like we're scripture auctioneers. <laughs> and we're just saying it as fast as we can because we want to get it out before we forget it, right? We want to say it really fast and we want to prove to somebody, look, I memorized a verse at VBS sometime. But I wonder if maybe having it in you doesn't mean we can say it. It's not like we've got this partially digested, wholly regurgitated truth that just comes out of us. It's that we've internalized the message. And when we say it, we realize that for God so loved the, well, he loved me. 
And in that moment when you doubt yourself, in that moment when you're struggling with whether or not God cares about you or anything that's going on in your life, you can remember that verse. It's in you. God can pull it out of you and he can remind you, for God so loved, well, he loved you. And he loved you. And he loved you. And he did it enough to send his only son so that you might be saved. And that son died a painful death in your place and in mine. And then there's that moment when you're driving on the highway and you change lanes and you're trying to be innocent and you're changing of lanes, but the guy behind you doesn't think you're so innocent. They think that you, know, you cut them off and so they speed up and they shoot around you and they give you that one finger salute, you know, and, and you're mad and they're mad and you're tempted to speed up and chase them down. Well, there's that moment that God can challenge your faith because John 3.16 is in you and he can pull it out of you and he can say, hey, remember that idea that God so loved the guy who just flipped you the bird. Yeah, he did love that guy. And he came so that that guy could experience grace and mercy and loving kindness. So the question for today, is it in you, is very specific. Is the word of God in you able to shape the way you think and the way you see and the way you hear? See that verse of scripture that's been the theme for us the entire time, Philippians chapter three, verse 10. For my determined purpose is to know God. When I sat down to learn how to play piano, my determined purpose became to play piano. Every Olympian that's out there today, their determined purpose was to go for that gold. That I may progressively become more deeply and more intimately acquainted with the power outflowing from him. Perceiving that's the way I see things and the way I hear things. And recognizing, I don't just see it, I understand what I see when I see it. And understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. And so that I may, in that same way, come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over believers. And that I may so share his sufferings as to be continually transformed into his likeness, even to his death. Is that in you? Is your determined purpose to know God. So in the next few minutes, it's not going to take long, I want to give you some very practical tools that will help you get the word of God in you. You come to church on a regular basis, and that's admirable. I love it. I'm glad that you're here today. Maybe you were like me. Maybe you're a kid. I had a drug problem when I was a kid. My parents drugged me to church every Sunday, and so maybe you're here against your will, but I'm glad that you're here, and church is a great place to be, but church, for getting God's word in you, is only the starting point. It's not the ending point. So here's some very practical things you can do to get the word of God in you. Here's it. It's very simple. Read it daily. Read it daily. I'm not talking about read it cover to cover daily. Wow. <laughs> that would be a lot of reading. I'm not even saying read an entire book daily. Maybe read a chapter a day. Maybe get a scripture devotional plan that, that on the U version of scripture that's on your phone. There's a, a bunch of different ways you can read God's word every day. But even if it's just for five or ten minutes a day, read it daily. I got good at playing scales. I played my scales. I hated it, but I played it so often and so frequently, frequently that my dad would sometimes come to me and say, hey, can you play that song over the hill and far away? And I would say, dad, I don't know that song over the hill and far away. I'm playing scales right now. He goes, no, you don't understand. Can you play that over the hill and far away? And it's because I just spent so much time sitting at a keyboard playing and it changed the way I see things when it comes to music. It changed the way I hear things. Read it daily. It's amazing what happens when you take just a few minutes each day to do the same thing over and over and over again. And you know what? If you don't understand it, guess what? 
You can read it again tomorrow. Read it daily, and you'll be surprised at how quickly you come to understand it. Read it daily. Here's the next one. Write it systematically. Write it systematically. We live in such a blessed generation. There's a copy of God's word in every hotel. There's a copy of God's word at every corner. You probably have stacks of them at home, and now you can carry it around on your phone and take it with you in any translation and any language that you want everywhere you go. We're so blessed to have that. I love it. It makes it easy to read it daily, but something happens when you write it down. And so today I've given you a, a, what looks like a business card that's blank on both sides. What if you picked one verse that meant something to you, something that God was doing in your heart and in your mind? Maybe it's Philippians chapter 3 verse 10 and you thought, I'm just going to write that down for my determined purpose is to know God. Philippians 3.10. Right on one side, the, the reference. On the other side, you write the verse. You stick that in your pocket. Every time you stick your hand in your pocket, you're going to pull it out and go, oh yeah, for my determined purpose is to know God, Philippians 3.10. Stick it back in your pocket. Write it systematically. Take, make, make, make a system for yourself. Maybe you're writing it verse for verse. Maybe, you have, maybe it's topical. Maybe it's those verses that are relevant to you or something that God's used to speak to your heart. But, but each day you're taking time to write something about Scripture, just a few words. It doesn't have to be chapters. It doesn't even have to be paragraphs, but just take one verse, write it down, put it on a card, and keep it with you. Maybe uh, some of the ladies in our office, some of our assistants, they've got Scripture verses on cards like this just stuck on their screen, They've on their, on their computer screen, and they can look up and read it. It's great to see that. It's a great way to do it. So read it daily. Write it systematically. Say it frequently. Say it frequently. Sometimes uh, Londa catches me talking to myself. <laughs> hey, what are you doing? Well, I'm talking to myself. Sometimes that's the only intelligent conversation I can have. <laughs> um, no, um, I'm... I'm just trying to remember something. I'm trying to remember this verse. For, for my determined purpose is to know God. Shower time is a great time to talk to yourself or to sing it out loud. What Joe talked about a minute ago, he sings scripture, that's Psalm 24. Give us clean hands and a pure heart. Let us not lift our souls to another. It's Psalm chapter 24. What a great way to memorize scripture, but say it frequently. It keeps it fresh. It keeps it at the top of your memory. It keeps it at the top of your mind. So after you say it frequently, that's for you. That's for your sake. Then you can share it deliberately. Share it deliberately. You sit down to have coffee with someone. And as you're having coffee with them, they're telling you the story about their grandmother who's in failing health. And they're just glowing over the fact that their grandmother is this strong believer who has prayed for them for so long and for so many days. And they tell you story after story about this moment when their life was in crisis and their grandmother prayed for them. And, and, they're, just, and they're, they're heartbroken that their grandmother is in failing health and about to pass away. And in that moment over coffee, you have this opportunity to encourage them because you can say, you know what scripture tells us? She's a believer and because she's a believer, we don't grieve. As believers ourselves, we don't grieve like those who have no hope. Her hope is secure, and she is about to be in the place she's longed for the rest of her life, or all of her life. And then there's this other verse in Psalm that says, blessed in the sight of the Lord are the death of his saints. Why is it blessed? Well, because they get to see their Savior face to face. And you have a moment to use scripture to speak comfort into the heart of a friend who's wounded. So read it daily, write it systematically, say it frequently, share it deliberately. And here's, here's the most important one of all. Live it passionately. Live it passionately. If it says don't go there, don't go there. If it says you ought to do this, then you, you should do that. Why? 
Well, because you won't see the world clearly until you know his word intimately. And when you know his word intimately, you can see things that God sees about your life and about the lives of others, about the situations and the circumstances you're in. So if you can see what God sees, if you knew what God knew about your life and the choices that you're about to make, if you knew what he knew, then shouldn't that affect the way you make your choices? Wouldn't that change the way you do what you do? Wouldn't that affect your knee-jerk, your split-second reactions? Wouldn't that change you somehow? Live it passionately. And then there's that last verse. That last verse is tied to Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Actually, each one of those very practical steps for how to get God's word in you is tied to Philippians chapter 3.10. And that last phrase of Philippians 3.10, so as to be continually transformed into his likeness. So what's the, what's the last thing you do to get it in you? Repeat. That's it. Repeat. Read it. Write it. Say it. Share it. Live it. Repeat. Read it. Write it. Say it. Share it. Live it. Repeat. I bet you can even remember that now. Read it. Write it. Say it. Share it. Live it. Repeat. Say that with me. Read it. Write it. Say it. Share it. Live it. Repeat. That's how you get it in you. All of the Olympians, all of the Olympians that will stand on that, on that platform and receive that gold medal, every one of them followed a pattern to become an Olympic athlete that wasn't that different from what I just said. They studied their craft. They practiced their craft. They did it over and over again. They made it a part of who they were. So now there's so much about what they do when they stand there to throw that javelin or when they, or when they, or when they go to do whatever it is that they go to do. There's so much of that that's just so automatic. It just comes out and it comes out so naturally and so freely that when you watch them, you go, huh, <laughs> I could do that. <laughs> no, you couldn't. <laughs> It just comes out so naturally and so freely. So I hope that we'll do that. I hope that we'll get God's word in us. Now here's my last challenge for us. I've been speaking mostly to those of us who are sold out to the idea that scripture matters and sold over to the idea that, that what God knows about my life is relevant and is actionable. I can actually do something about it. But I know that in a room like this, this, there's, this, that there's somebody in here who's been listening the whole time going, yeah, but I don't know if I believe it in the first place. And I understand that. I'm glad you're here. I hope you'll keep exploring it. I can tell you that you can take all of the spirituality out of Scripture. Take all of the, take all the spirituality out of Scripture, and I can guarantee you that if you lived by its principles, your life would still be better because there's wisdom in Scripture to be found. And while that's possible, I don't recommend it. Because it is the spirituality, most specifically, it is the relationship with God that brings power to those words. You see, that's where, for my determined purposes to know God, that's where it's very different from sitting down to practice. Because these disciplines we've been talking about of prayer and of reading God's word and time with giants and now getting God's word in us, these disciplines aren't like the disciplines we do to become really good at a sport. They're really much more like the kind of thing I did in order to get to know my wife. At the point that we were dating, it was easy for me to pick up the phone and call her because I wanted to hear her voice. I wanted to hear about her day. was, And there were these moments when when we would get to the end of a phone call and we wouldn't have anything else to say. We've talked about everything else and there would be this long silence. And we'd just kind of be doing our stuff. She'd be wherever she was and I'd be wherever I was. And there's, and, but we still wouldn't hang up. Why? Well, because we just wanted to be together. 
You see, these disciplines that God's given us, these best practices for getting to know him are just that. They're not like working out. It's not like exercise. It's not like eat your vegetables. It's not that. It's much more like getting to know someone that you take great delight in. For you grandparents out there, it's like watching your grandchild do the most average, normal, mundane thing, but because they're your grandchild, they are exceptional. And you take incredible delight at watching it, seeing it, being a part of it, and then telling the whole world about it. See, that's what these best practices are like. And for those of you who don't yet know our Heavenly Father, who have yet to trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of sin, I just want to challenge you to explore the possibility. Explore the possibility that when you're squeezed, what's in you is what comes out. And what if? What if there could be something in you that was different than the poison that comes out now? or that's different than the fear that comes out now, or that's different than the anxiety that comes out now, or that's different from the, will you fill in the blank? Because scripture tells us that Jesus died for our sins and he rose from the dead. He did that because we need forgiveness. The sin in our life has, has broken us, and that break can be healed through forgiveness. And if we surrender our lives to Jesus, if we simply say, yes, Father, I, I want to be forgiven of my sins, please forgive me, come into my heart and save me, then God provides for us through his spirit this relief, this healing, this completeness and this wholeness that changes who we are from the inside out. And so today, maybe you need to place your faith in Christ. It's really easy. It's, it's a matter of just saying, Father, I need you. Please forgive me, come into my heart and save me. In just a few moments, I'm gonna extend what's called an invitation. We're gonna pray together. I'll ask everybody to stand. And if you would like to know more about what it means to trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, there'll be men at front that you can come talk to. There'll also be people in the back. You could talk to people in the back. There's probably someone sitting next to you that you could say, I wanna know more about this Jesus. They could tell you all about him. And so as we stand to sing, during this invitation time, my hope is that if you need Jesus, that you'll come talk to someone. You'll find out a little bit more about it. My hope is that if you're already a believer, that you'll ask and answer that question, is it in me? And if it's not in you at the depth that it needs to be, what are you going to do about it? Will you begin to read it daily? Write it. Share it. Say it. Live it. What will you do about it? And you don't have to come forward to make that kind of profession. I'm going to do something about it. You can simply have a moment as we sing where you're not singing. You're just having a talk with God. God, this is what I intend to do from now and, and all my days forward. Why? Because my determined purpose is to know you. Let's pray together.